too. Because you don't need to get lost in the search for signs and wonders. Because you are one. to this to you where you're at uh, in your own life this week so we had a little bit of a break over christmas uh, where we're at in hebrews the hebrews themselves are being reminded that jesus is greater than everything that they'd previously come from uh, in terms of salvation relationship to god just, just everything that they've come from really their old life they're being encouraged to live uh, a life of faith, a life uh, of faith in His faithfulness. Uh, it's not on you anymore to be a, a good person and, and to, to show God how good you are by doing lots of things because uh, He is greater than all that. So they're being encouraged to have faith in His faithfulness. Uh, and um, they're being told, you know, look, think back to your Hebrew upbringing, what we would call the Old Testament, uh, and see that. The Old Testament really is about life with God and how alone we just we cannot uh, do it. We can't keep up the covenant uh, ourselves, so to speak. So chapter 11, as we moved into that, uh, we're now getting to faith in action. Uh, chapters 1 through 10 of Hebrews were really understand this stuff. Here's some stuff that you need to know. Now, 11, 12, 13, is some stuff that you need to do, the life that you need to live. But we should remember that when uh, God's Word tells us to do some stuff, uh, we're not doing it alone. We're doing it through the grace of God that works in you. Uh, you don't do it for approval from God. You do it out of love for God. And it com- that completely changes how you think about what you're doing uh, in your faith. So we'll start with a question. When you think of this word, when you see this word, miraculous, uh, what do you think about? Maybe you're all thinking of miraculous things that you've seen in your life or read about in your life. Uh, but the word miraculous, uh, in its purest sense, means something. We're going to keep coming back to this, so you do need to listen. means something that is exceedingly surprising so I guess we could say that when we walked in this morning and saw the fire and the rats, uh, that, was, uh, that was kind of m- miraculous. Uh, we didn't really, <laughs> it was exceedingly surprising to see rats stuck all over the building. But uh, that, some, <laughs> something that's miraculous then is exceedingly surprising or wonderful. And it comes from a Latin word, miraculum, which means something that's marvelous, something that's wonderful. So something marvelous, something really surprising is, in the, in the purest sense of the word, miraculous strips away from how uh, society uses the word miraculous something that's miraculous is really surprising and something that's just great something that's really really good and wonderful today then we're going to talk about miraculous faith faith that does wonderful things uh, that you couldn't do or you wouldn't do without faith without the grace of god working through you like we said without jesus being present in your life so today then what is miraculous faith i want you to ask yourself do you feel like do you think you have miraculous faith do you feel like you're a person who has miraculous faith as you're going about your day-to-day life driving your car and doing your job? Do you feel like somebody who carries yourself with miraculous, I'm a person of miraculous faith? 
and hopefully by the end of this we will see or you will see if you are or not. We're going to see what miraculous faith is. We're going to look at some stuff from Moses. We've said before that he was just so universally revered and loved in this context and this community of Hebrews. So he's a good example for them to be given. We'll see some stuff from Moses and then some miraculous moments. But first... Uh, miraculous Moses. So if you've not done so already, let's open up those Bibles to Hebrews 11 and we'll read uh, verses 23 through to 28. So Hebrews 11:23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured a seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So verses 23 to 28, we've got miraculous Moses. Here he is, he's, he's born, and uh, he's born a boy, which at the time was a huge disadvantage to him. Uh, he was born a boy, and his parents think he's beautiful, which every, every parent thinks their baby is beautiful, don't they? And some some, let's be, let's be honest, some are not, but most, most babies are, are kind of nice to look at. Have you ever done that? You've been in to visit somebody in hospital and you've seen their baby and you're like, whoa, in your mind, whoa, whoa, oh, he's so beautiful. <laughs> like, but uh, Moses is born, he's a boy, massive disadvantage at the time, uh, and he's beautiful. I think his parents. Uh, but his parents showed miraculous faith in regard to the king's edict, which is a law, something that the king just declares and does. Like in December, we got a day off work after Bahrain won that football tournament. That was an edict. That's just uh, everybody's on holiday because I'm the king and I want to say that and I can say that. So here uh, it was, we'll get there, but his, his, his parents showed miraculous faith in regard to the king's edict. They knew that this child was uh, wonderful, beautiful, and they just knew that he was destined for good things. So they did something that was exceedingly surprising, and they took action in relation to the king's edict. Now we're talking about Exodus chapter 1, verse 16, where we read, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. So Moses is born a boy, which is a death sentence for him at the time. And he, uh, Exodus 1.22 says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So this was, that was the rule at the time, that was the law at the time. So that Moses' parents, the parents of Moses, displayed a faith that was surprising, let's say, given the, the, the culture and the law and the climate of the day. They displayed faith that was wonderful in what it did. They did something about it. And the action they took, they displayed miraculous faith, didn't they? We said miraculous means something that's really surprising, something that's really wonderful. And they believed that their child was just too important 
and just too beautiful to be thrown into the Nile, which really, ugly babies or not, is, uh, is true for all of us, isn't it? Our life, we've got, we're all made in the image of God, newborn babies included. We're made in the image of God. We've got intrinsic value and, and dignity, and our life is worth something just because it's a life. Uh, so Moses' parents displayed faith that was surprising given the culture and climate of the day. And as he grows into an adult, we read that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, quick side note. You'll see in your Bibles it says to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And in the original text, there's no the. It just says refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. So that's, a, that's more of a title. It's not just a description of who he is. That is the son of this person, this person. That was his title in the land. So that meant something. It's like being Queen of England or President of. That was his role. That was his title. So he was on the path to become a somebody in Egypt. So we read, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So here we've got adult Moses, grown-up Moses, refusing this office, this title, this life as such. And instead, he chooses on purpose, to be mistreated with God's people than to enjoy, the, we read, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, I read about this this week, that having been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, he grew up in the royal court, but he clearly knew where he had come from, and he never forgot where he was from, since he abandoned his life of privilege and set out to liberate the Israelites from their oppressive taskmasters. Now, is not that miraculous faith? Faith that seems to contradict everything that's going on around it, something that's exceedingly surprising. Here's this baby adopted from nothing into the royal household, and it is exceedingly surprising that he says, no, I don't want that. I'm going to choose to be mistreated with God's people than to live over here with the royal people. Is that not exceedingly surprising? And he actually chose that. And he was raised in Pharaoh's family. And he, so he chose mistreatment over the fleeting pleasures of sin. He's raised in Pharaoh's family. So these pleasures must have seemed quite significant. They're not kind of, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. This was an entire lifestyle of pleasure for him, so to speak. And not all that fleeting. This, this role that he had, son of Pharaoh's daughter. Not all that fleeting at the time. But why did he do this? Because his miraculous faith, exceedingly surprising and wonderful, thought about, reasoned, and concluded the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, this is not, this is not prosperity gospel in disguise. Like, look, follow Jesus and be, be rich in the greater wealth, some super secret wealth that you know we've got to tap into by doing certain things that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the abundant blessings that flow from following god and it's a spiritual enriching so where we read uh, the reproach of christ is greater wealth it's a spiritual thing it's an inside thing it's 
it's the blessings that come from following God. And that takes a miraculous faith to choose that over what the world is going to offer you, does it not? A faith that is surprising. You've got to choose the inside over the outside. You've got to choose eternity over now. And I'm sure that at the time he wasn't aware of this, but it puts him in the company of Jesus, doesn't it? He's choosing to suffer to set some people free. I'm sure that Moses didn't realize that, but the choice that he made there put him in the company of Jesus who suffered to set men free. Amen? Then two more things that Moses' miraculous faith did. All the M's. We read in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So we see here then that miraculous faith is not afraid of man's reproach. It's not afraid of getting in trouble with other people. We read that Moses was not afraid of the anger of the king. And if we just pause and we think, who, who is he leaving here? He's leaving his family, isn't he? Adopted family, sure, but he's leaving a family that have taken him in, that have raised him, that have offered him all that the world has to offer, and that's who he is leaving. So the anger of the king is the anger of the dad of his adopted mum, so to speak. So his kind of adopted granddad, and that's who he's leaving. And isn't that true? That leaving those people that were that were closest to. For the upward call of God in Jesus Christ is the hardest thing to do sometimes. It's harder to break away from people that you're close with than it is from somebody that you're a casual, you know, a casual. We talked about last week, Friday friends, you know, people that you see on Friday that you just, you don't see during the week. It's easier to put distance between yourself and somebody that you're not that close with than it is to really call somebody out on, this is not right and uh, I'm not really too afraid of, any tension that's going to occur because you know we're sticking close to the Lord, and it really that really does take miraculous faith because that's surprising, isn't it? To to to, to put distance between yourself and here the, the family because it doesn't seem natural. In lots of ways, it's not the natural thing to do to put distance between you and somebody that you were close with, but you know it's not going to end well as Moses did with the family. And that's why we've got examples like this in the Bible to encourage us, to show us the, the, the right choice to make, to encourage us to make that choice, that no matter who we're talking about, here we've got this massive example, Moses and Pharaoh family, our miraculous faith, our faith that is surprising to those around us and ourselves sometimes, our faith that's surprising and wonderful, always chooses the way of God over the way of men. But this is difficult, isn't it? Sometimes if it's family, like, uh, like Moses had. But you just think about what Jesus said about this in Luke chapter 12. He said, Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. So it's, it's difficult. But as with Moses, our miraculous faith always chooses the way of God over our earthly relationships, as difficult as that can be. Moses also, by faith, we read, by faith, he kept the Passover. And that took huge, miraculous faith, a faith that is so surprising and great and wonderful. For him to believe that the blood of a lamb 
painted on the door is going to save you from death. You think about that. It's a lamb. They're painting the blood on the door, and they believe that that's going to save them from death. What a huge, miraculous faith that the blood of the lamb is going to save them from death. And then in miraculous faith, he had that. We read that he had that. And he led the people in observing the Passover. So for the Hebrews then, they're being told here that they're being told to look. Look at what Moses did in his faith. Look at what a faith in God looks like in Moses' life. Here is this guy that is just universally loved and revered by the Hebrews and loved in the community that was given this letter or sermon or speech or whatever you want to call it. Look at the life that he lived. It was a life of miraculous and, and huge and wonderful faith in God. And it's really, really interesting. It's really, really significant that Moses' life of faith came before Moses was given the law. So what makes Moses a great guy in God's eyes is not his ability to carry two stone tablets down the mountain and read them to people and then be the guy that checks up on people keeping the law and the like. It's the faith, Moses' life of faith that really makes him great in God's eyes. For you, for me, what do we take from Moses? We see that his faith is miraculous and that he chose, that he chose God's way over the fleeting pleasures of sin. We see that his faith is miraculous and it chooses God's will of a man's, but it's miraculous that he chooses eternity of a now. There's probably not many other people in the world at the time that could have lived the kind of lifestyle that Moses was offered, son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he put all that aside to be mistreated with God's people. Now, he went about it the wrong way at first, and then he had a little bit of a readjustment period. But he chose God's way over man's way. So we just need to pause now and think, does your faith do that? Does your faith day-to-day -day choose God's way over man's way? And if it doesn't, then there's no reason why you can't. You can choose that. Your faith in Jesus and his grace at work in your life allows you to choose that, as Moses did. So Moroses, Marose, uh, that was miraculous and Moses mixed together, if you're wondering, Moroses. <laughs> so miraculous Moses. Oh my gosh, we'll, we'll scrub that. <laughs> Moses and his miraculous faith, that's easier. Next, we've got some miraculous moments. We'll try not to mix those two together. So we'll read again verses 29 through to 31. Hebrews eleven twenty-nine. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So verses 29 to 31, we've got these miraculous moments. We've got miraculous Moses first. Here's what miraculous faith looks like in the life of a person. And then 29 to 31, here's what miraculous faith does 
Look, look, these are miraculous moments to be looking around and looking out for. So, verse 29, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 14. And that's a lovely little preview of they pass through the waters on their way to a new life. Crossing through that water didn't save them. God did. But what a lovely preview for us of they believe God, so they pass through the waters on their way to a new life. A great picture of baptism, that is. Passing through the waters. Baptism doesn't save you. Walking through this muddy patch through the middle of the Red Sea didn't save them. God did. But what a, a nice little preview of Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. So they pass through. In verse 30, the walls of Jericho come down after being marched around for seven days. The marching, the, the faith in action of God's people was an act of faith, an act of obedience. He's told them to do it, so they should do it. And it's a physical prayer. They're prayerfully being obedient to God's will by doing this. And verse 31 Rahab didn't perish with the disobedient because she acted on her faith, gave a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, she is an interesting addition here, isn't she? If we're honest, let's be really straight. We wouldn't expect to see a prostitute in this great hall of faith as such, this chapter talking about the wonderful faith that God values. And here we've got a lady of the night in verse 31. This is why kids are in kids' church, because it's saving you difficult questions on the way home. What's a prostitute? So you're welcome. We wouldn't really expect to see a prostitute there, even less expect to see her in the genealogy of Jesus, but she's there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. But she heard, and she believed, and then she acted. And she was, well, she's, my, she's so many years before this, but she is living proof. She's a living embodiment of the, the principle of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So here's Rahab. She didn't see the Red Sea parted. She wasn't there. She didn't see the Passover. She didn't see what was the morning after of the Passover. She didn't see all that God had done with and for his people. She just heard about it. She heard words about God. She heard the word of God, words about God. And she said in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What a great statement from Rahab. We've heard all about God, and we know he's, he's God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So, Rahab, she's, it's kind of surprising that she's there, but she is, so we'll go with it. 
Her miraculous faith, this faith of hers that was so surprising given who she was, what she did, and where she lived. She heard of God. She heard the word of God. She believed. She believed in him. She acknowledged that he's real. But she also believed him. And we said there's a, a fine difference, but a really important difference in believing in God, acknowledging that he is real, and actually believing him, taking him at his word. So she heard, God did this, 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 and he said this, 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 this. She believed that. So she heard, she believed, and she did something about it. That's the next step. Hearing, believing, doing in the grace of God, not rules and legalism. Doing because you love, doing out of love, doing through the grace. Uh, you've probably seen stuff like this. Or maybe you've done stuff like this uh, on social media or if you've written in it in a card. If you're particularly of a certain vintage, you like to write letters or you like to write people a card, not just write them a card. Uh, Proverbs 31. Now you've, uh, to, to the guys, you've probably described your wife as a pro- my wife is a Proverbs 31 lady. Some people are kind of looking a bit sheepish because I know you've done it. Happy birthday to my Proverbs 31 life. Everybody says this, but they are mistaken because you are the only woman in the world that's Proverbs 31. Pe- people do that, don't they? But Proverbs 31 is often used to describe the virtues of a godly wife. Of a godly wife. And we read in Proverbs 31 about this lady. And ladies, don't compare yourself to Proverbs 31 because nobody is the Proverbs 31 lady 24-7. Just give yourself a break. So Proverbs 31, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. So the the Proverbs 31 lady is industrious and she's she's not lazy and she does stuff with stuff for people because she's a Proverbs 31 lady. And then in Joshua, when we're talking about Rahab and what she did and how she hid these guys on her roof, do you know what we read? We read, she had brought them, Rahab, spies, up to the roof, and she hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on her roof. And then Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 lady, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. So Rahab, she heard, she believed, and she's doing something about it. And we can you know, reasonably conclude that she's put aside and put behind her her old life and she's moving and working through, well, her miraculous faith is moving and working through her, and she's on the way to becoming the Proverbs 31 lady. She's out with the old, in with the new, and is that not miraculous faith in action? And that is exceedingly surprising. Here's Rahab, prostitute, hears about God, out with the old, and she's walking through towards this new life. I think that's, is that not miraculous faith? Something that's so surprising, so wonderful that she has cast aside her old life and she's walking towards the new. And her miraculous faith is moving her towards the virtues of a godly woman that we read in the Word. And she was saved by her miraculous faith. In faith that contradicts the expectations of those around us, 
Just think, who in Jericho would have thought that Rahab, 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 who would have thought that she was the one to hide these spies, to be the inside guy, the inside man, so to speak? Who would have thought? Is that not exceedingly surprising, but just a wonderful thing, that she's out with the old, in with the new? It challenged her miraculous faith. It must have challenged everybody's former assumptions about her, what people thought about her. It challenges our actions, and it it leads us towards life everlasting. And when those walls of Jericho came down, there was one family saved, and it was the family of Rahab. We read in Joshua 6.25 that Joshua saved them alive. Her miraculous faith had made them alive. So just pause and just think, has your faith done that for you? Has your miraculous faith in Jesus and his saving abilities and who he is and what he's done, has that saved you alive as Rahab was? Are you a new creation on your way, so to speak, as Rahab was? So the Hebrews here have been told, look what happens When there is faith in God, they're being told that your faith will allow you to do miraculous and amazing things. And if you're thinking about turning away from this and turning back to your old life, to to being a Hebrew, going back to Judaism, to ritualistic religious rules, they're being told, look, just look at the miraculous faith that those people had. Before the law, they knew what really mattered. They'd thought about this, they'd considered this, and they considered, as we read a few weeks ago now, they considered him who promised faithful. So their faith in that allowed them to live in a miraculous way. It's not just something that we say that we've got. Our miraculous faith evidences itself. It's exceedingly surprising. It's so surprising. And it's different to those around them for the Hebrews. And it is for us as well. And it cuts through the culture and the expectations because it is a miraculous faith. So, what does this mean for us then? This was to the Hebrews. What does this mean for us? It means that our faith also, our faith allows us to do miraculous and amazing things. Things that those around us, things that even ourselves find exceedingly surprising and wonderful. But we must not miss the miraculous. We must not miss the miraculous. Like the Hebrews, we're not to miss the miraculous whilst looking for signs and wonders. Let's be really clear about this. Let's not miss the everyday miraculous in our life, looking for signs and wonders. You can read what Jesus said about that. Don't take my word for it. Read what Jesus said about that in Matthew 12 and Matthew 16. And it's one of those things where we're not to miss the wood for the trees. We are surrounded by this kind of stuff all day, every day. If you just just have a little look, if you're not too shy... Have a little look to your left and look to your right. This, this, us, we, this is miraculous. People from north, south, east, west gathered together 
who love Jesus. This is, this is exceedingly surprising, is it not? This is exceedingly surprising, and this is wonderful. So this is miraculous. That's what the word means. This is miraculous. That we have chosen to believe. It's been laid out for us, and we've chosen to believe that we do believe, and that you are here, that us, north, south, east, west, all gathered together in this place with a shared love for Jesus. And the unity that that brings is miraculous. That is so surprising. That is so wonderful. And our life of miraculous faith, it allows us to do everything that Moses did. We choose eternity over now. We're not afraid of getting in trouble with people because we value uh, how, uh, how God sees us and how we carry the name of Jesus more highly. Uh, a, won- a wonderful, wonderful uh, professor called John Lennox, he said that miraculous faith means more than signs and wonders because it demonstrates the supernatural day by day and consistently. And when we think of miraculous, we're right at the beginning, we said, when you think about miraculous, what do you think about? Often we think about things like, like resurrection. And anything less than resurrection is not miraculous. But we were all dead in trespass and sin, yet here we sit together, soaking in God's word, praising him for who he is, and then we're going to go out, maybe together, maybe, maybe you don't see anybody. We're going to go out, and we're going to minister that to people. We're going to take that. I'm going to put it into action. That's miraculous because compared to the culture at large, that's so surprising and that is so wonderful. And Professor John Lennox goes on and he says that every Christian conversion is an example of the supernatural, of the miraculous, if it is real because we see lives completely changed. Your life is completely changed. But we often want to concentrate on on, on, on physical manifestations of the miraculous, don't we? You think about miraculous, maybe you thought about resurrection. Maybe you thought about things that you can tangibly see, and, uh, like healings, physical manifestations, or like a mum who lifts a car off her baby to, and then pulls the baby out, you know, like it's, like it's nothing. And we think about stuff like that, and those things are marvelous, and those things are surprising, those things are wonderful when they happen, but God never guarantees us that that is going to happen. And if that's what we're looking for to, to, to tell ourselves that we live a life of miraculous faith, if you don't see that, what does that mean? That you don't have a life of faith? That you don't have enough faith? He never guarantees that that will happen, but he does. He never guarantees physical healing. He never guarantees that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, like lifting up a car. He never guarantees stuff like that. But what he does guarantee is to invade your life, every part of your life, supernaturally and miraculously, if you trust him to do so. And your transformed life, you now, compared to old you, is miraculous. It's so surprising. Think about yourself five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Who you were then compared to who you are now is miraculous, is it not? It's so surprising. Maybe five years ago you didn't think that you would be sat in church. Maybe ten years ago you thought there's no way 
I'm going to go to church and play an instrument in front of people or sing in front of people. There's no way. I'm just, I'm not, I don't need that religious stuff. That's not me. I don't have any faith. Your transformed life is miraculous. So do you have a miraculous faith? I'm going to say that yes, you do. And you should think of your faith as miraculous too because you don't need to get lost in the search for signs and wonders because you are one. You are a sign of the miraculous. You are a wonderful wonder. And you know the biggest and most miraculous thing we could possibly ever see the most miraculous and wonderful and exceedingly surprising thing that we could possibly ever see was the Word of God taking on flesh, living among us, dying, rising, ascending, and promising to come again. Is that not exceeding? Is that not so surprising that He would, for a time, cast aside His heavenly glory and location and live among us? live with us, to die for us. And now he's in heaven interceding for us. Is that not just the most miraculous thing that we could possibly see? And if you believe that, if you believe him, then yes, your faith is miraculous. Amen? Amen. So do you have miraculous faith? Yes. I'm going to say that yes, you do, and you should think it. And for some of you, Maybe this is what God is saying to you today. He wants you to live this life of miraculous faith. The life that is so surprising to yourself, to those around you. To change some things in your life. Because you're not living them by your miraculous faith. To really push on down that road that we're all on. That discipleship path. That path of becoming day by day more and more and more and more like Jesus. The fact that you are not who you were is miraculous, it's surprising, and it's wonderful. The fact that you are made in the image of God with a mind to to reason, to consider, to think about, to conclude, and then confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead is an example of your miraculous faith. The fact that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you're working on loving other people as yourself as well. Some people are more difficult to love. Let's be straight. Some people are really difficult to love. But you're doing it because you've got miraculous faith. That is exceedingly surprising. With some people, it's really surprising. But you do it because that's the life that you're living. You love God with all that you are. You love people as well. Because when you see that people are made in His image, and so are you, there's more that joins you than, than separates you. So you, do, you work at loving those people. So we take this knowledge We take this understanding of of Hebrews. We let our miraculous faith be the engine that drives our life. We can choose, now we can choose to do things that are really surprising given the culture that we live in. We can see the miraculous happening around us. Things that are surprising, things that are great, things that are particularly God-honoring, Christ-centered. We look at that and it's miraculous. It's so surprising given the, the world that we live in. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And that's God working in your life. For us then, our miraculous faith, we need to let it change everything that we... Just, just let it change you. Everything that we say, 
everything that we do, how you feel about yourself. Yes, you're a person that made an image of God. He loves you. He demonstrated that to you. You believe him. You have miraculous faith. You're a person of miraculous faith. And that needs to be the central point around which everything else in our life kind of gravitates and feeds through the middle of how does what I'm doing, watching, thinking, feeling, saying, how does that intersect with my life of miraculous faith in Jesus? Because we've seen, we've seen then in this part of Hebrews that now we are people of miraculous faith. We're not, we're not really afraid of man's reproach. We're not afraid of being told off or being put down by other people because we're living this life. We now choose to be identified with Jesus and his people over everything and everyone else. If that's something that you're really tight with, that's going to be really difficult for you. But if they're not living this life of of miraculous faith in Jesus, you know, you know it's the right thing to not not walk with them. We read that uh, in God's word that two people can't walk together unless they're in agreement. And you know that there are some people in your life that you're not in agreement with. We've got examples of, look, it's difficult, but we need to do it. And that's what our miraculous faith does. And we see in this part of Hebrews that people with miraculous faith are saved by God in miraculous ways. And as Rahab was saved alive, so we are saved alive through our faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, again then, and we'll wrap up with this. Are you a person of miraculous faith? Yes, yes you are. You believe God. You take Him at His word. You trust in Jesus alone for your salvation. You walk in the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yes, you are a person of miraculous faith. Amen? Amen. So we're going to spend a moment or so in, uh, in, in personal prayer. And um, I'd like us to consider what your miraculous faith looks like in your life. Where do you need to exercise and work out and implement a bit of miraculous faith in your life? Do you need to make a break from some stuff? Do you need to draw closer to other people and other stuff? What does your miraculous faith look like in your own life? What are you going to do about it this week? So we'll spend a moment also in personal prayer. Uh, And then we'll pray together. I'm going to ask that you join me in raising a holy hand in prayer. Again, we, we gather, we assemble as your church at Saar Fellowship. And we say thank you. We are so very grateful for the, for the proof, for the evidence that you've given us, that you love us in the person and the finished work of Jesus on that cross. Father, may we never ever stray too far from this fundamental truth that you know us, that you love us, and that you have taken action to prove it. Father, we pray this morning that you would, that you would speak to each and every one of us individually, right here, right now, to tell us what we need to do in our miraculous faith, what we need to start, what we need to stop, Father, how we can manifest your love and your presence to other people through living the life of miraculous faith that you have called us to. We thank you so much. We thank you for your word to give us these examples of people who've made that tough decision. 
who've done the right thing and also for those who've slipped and tripped and not made the right decision, Father, as, as examples to us. And we thank you again above all else for the example of Jesus, Father. How exceedingly surprising in our limited human minds. How exceedingly surprising and wonderful it was that he cast aside his heavenly glory and location at your right hand to live among us temporarily, to live as one of us, to empathize with us, to die for us and to atone for us. Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be made right in your eyes through faith in him. And we just pray for each and every one of us, Father, that as we leave today, our faith is strengthened. We love you, we praise you, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.